and uh, thank you to the worship team this morning. Give me just a minute. I got to get set up here this morning. So. Hang with me a second. Get my uh, flannel shirt on. Okay, how does this look? Like a farmer, huh? Oh, forgot the most important thing. There we go. Now I'm set. We, uh... Morning, y'all. Gotta head back to back 80. Get a plow before the sun goes down, right? <laughs> no, I have no idea why I'm talking that way. I grew up on a farm. No one talks that way. Uh, but I'm trying to get our minds around the, uh, a farmer's mindset here this morning. Uh, because as uh, JR said, we're entering into a new sermon series called Grounded and Growing. And, uh, it has, and it will look at the parable of the sowers. So we've got to think like farmers. We've got to think about what would it look like to have the seed planted and then the seed to grow up. And spiritually speaking, we've got to think about What's it going to look like for us to be grounded in God's Word and in our relationship with God so that it grows up and bears a lot of fruit? It bears the fruit of godliness and it bears fruit in the kingdom of God. And so we've got to have a farmer's mindset. Okay, I'm not going to preach the whole uh, sermon in this uh, because if I do, I will be sweating like a farmer by the time it's all over. This is way too hot. You notice my undershirt kind of looks like my flannel shirt, and a uh, little bit on purpose, I admit, uh, but I'd be, if I wear a flannel shirt, I will be sweat. You know, farmers sweat. My dad was a farmer, and uh, it's hard work. In fact, what I had to do uh, when he came home uh, at night is sometimes I had to help him get his shirt off. It was so sweaty. Now, before I gross you out, I'll just, I'll just say it's hard work. And, uh, and this series, Grounded and Growing, is, is hard work, so to speak. We're going to take a look into our heart. It's going to be some using the, the hoe. It's going to take some tilling to uh, weed out some things in our hearts so that we can be fruitful. But this morning, this morning is to adopt a farmer's mindset. I grew, as I said, I grew up on a farm, and so I was inundated with the world of soils and crops and seeds and harvests and all those type of things. And, uh, 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 but the first century hearers who uh, heard the parable that Jesus taught didn't need Jesus to dress up like a farmer. Like, this was their culture. They didn't need to get a farmer's mindset. This was the world that they lived in. They lived in an agrarian culture in which even if they weren't farmers, they would know all about seed and sowers and soils and all of those things. And Jesus came and he taught them this parable. Now when he taught this parable, it was partway through his earthly ministry. A word about him had begun to uh, spread. The crowds were beginning to gather. Uh, Whenever he taught, he taught. Part of the reason why the crowds gathered is they loved the way he taught. 
It, it was interesting. It had meaning. And, uh, and a lot of the ways he taught was with parables. And so when we turn to Matthew 13 this morning, we're going to start at verse 1. That's where the parable of the sowers is found. In Matthew 13, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, That day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Okay, let me just pause. We're setting this, the stage right now. We haven't quite got to the parable yet. This is, this is the scene. Jesus has gone out and he's by a lake that morning. And as I said, a huge crowd, huge crowds are gathering to hear him teach. Hundreds, even thousands of people. We know thousands of people uh, gathered to hear Jesus teach because he fed the 5,000. Uh, there were times where there was the, just the crowds were massive, but they didn't have microphones and amplification. Uh, and so he had to project. What we have here, here this morning is the crowds are getting, getting uh, upon him almost as he stands by the lake that he decides, I don't want to be screaming in the front row, uh, the, the person sitting in the front row, but I also want the person sitting in the back row to hear me. And so the best way for me to do that is uh, he, he thinks is to get in a boat, get a little ways off the shore, and then he can proje project his words. And so this is what he does. As he's in the boat, he begins to tell them a parable. Verse 3 says, Then he told them many things in parables. Now the next words will be the parable, but before we get into that, let's, let's just talk a moment. What is a parable? If we're going to spend the next several weeks looking at this parable, we better understand what a parable is. Well, first of all, a parable is just a story. A parable is a story that uh, the people could relate to easily and, and quickly. But Jesus' parables were more than just interesting stories. There was an underlying, uh, an underlying meaning with it. And so the classic definition of a parable is it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The Greek word for parable literally means to lay alongside of. And so as Jesus tells this story, now he's, then he's going to lay alongside of it a uh, meaning, a spiritual meaning. It has significance for their, uh, for their inner person, their, their uh, spiritual lives. I like to think of Jesus' parables like popcorn. How many of you like popcorn? Oh, man, yeah. Most people like popcorn. That's good stuff. You go to the movies, you got to have a tub of popcorn, right? But sometimes you're at home, you're watching a movie on TV, you want popcorn. Does anybody have the—I'm just curious. Does anybody have the old-school popcorn popper with, uh, where it's like Diane does? The, you, you, you got the little circle thing. I don't know what you call it, the popcorn popper. You put the oil in, and the seeds uh, get hot, and they start popping, right? Yeah, uh, uh, Larry's back there showing me how it's done. He's stirring it. But here's how most of us make popcorn today, right? You get a bag you put in the microwave. And you put this uh, bag in the microwave, and you set the timer for three minutes or whatever it is. And for the first minute, it does nothing. It just gets in the microwave, and it spins as it turns around. But then all of a sudden, you hear pop. And then, it's not a, but a few seconds later, here, pop, pop. And then pretty soon, it's pop, 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 pop. Right? As the seeds heat up, then they start popping. 
That's what happens when Jesus tells parables. For a while, people might not even get it, but all of a sudden they're going through their everyday lives. They're, they're just going through their activities through the week or maybe a month later, but eventually life gets hot. It gets difficult. Something happens, and then it goes pop. And all of a sudden, the, the story was so memorable. The story grabbed their attention, but then all of a sudden it pops. And that's my hope. To be honest, that's my hope that as we go through the parable of the soils, we'll be going along and uh, we're going to be studying this. And I hope eventually for each one of us, it's, it's pop and then pop, pop, pop. And eventually the meaning comes because there is power in God's word. That's really what this parable is all about. It is, uh, it brings, it's memorable and it's meaningful. Jesus loved to teach in parables because parables were memorable and meaningful. Okay, let's now actually get to the parable. In the second part of verse 3, Jesus tells us, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil, It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they they withered because they had no root, other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. You know what? Even though I'm a little ways into the message, I just want to uh, pause and pray for us one more time, not just for today's sermon, but just this whole sermon series, that God would take these words and um, plant them in our hearts, to use the metaphor here, that he would plant them in our hearts, and that they would grow up and produce fruit in our lives. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the teaching of your word. And God, we know that it has power, and, and we pray now that as we turn to it, that you would come and be our teacher, that you would speak to us, and that you would cause your word to get planted in our hearts, that it would eventually pop, and that it would apply to our lives, and that we would would be changed and transformed by it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so there's a few basic elements of the parable that we've got to get our mind around. Uh, The first thing we'll notice in this parable is that there are soils. There's four soils. The first soil, uh, Jesus says, is soil that is hard. He says, some seed fell on the path. And so you can imagine this this path has been walked on over and over and over again until it's almost as hard as concrete. No seed is going to sprout in this path. And so he says, eventually a bird comes and steals the seed on the hard soil. And then there's soil that he calls rocky soil. Now, as I said, I grew up on a farm. One of my jobs growing up, and I'd get hired by the neighbors to do this and stuff, and get out the uh, ATV, the four-wheeler, drive up and down the field looking for rocks. Put it on a little wagon and take it to the side of the field. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what it looked like in the first century, but that's what I have envisioned. You'd get the rocks, and off the side of the field, there would be a rock pile. There's still some soil stuck to the rocks. And so some of the seed falls on it, and it springs up quickly. But there's the sh- 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 soil on the rocky soil 
is shallow. The third soil, uh, he says, is soil that is filled with weeds and thorns. And again, not good soil. It's going to choke out the plants. But the fourth soil, the fourth soil he calls good soil that bears a, a big harvest. So that's the first element of the parable, soil. The second is that there's got to be a sower, right? There's a sower in the story. And then the third is that there is seed. Those are the three basic elements of the parable. Now, for the next several weeks, we're going to look at the soils one at a time. So today's task is to ask ourselves, who's the sower and what's the seed? We're going to cover the first two, we're going to cover those two elements of the parable this morning. Well, let's start with, spiritually speaking, who's the sower? Vincent van Gogh painted a uh, painting of, that's simply called The Sower. And uh, it's based on this parable. And uh, the sower, uh, like uh, van Gogh painted here, had a, had a sack that he would carry around his shoulder that he'd reach, down, he'd reach into or reach into and grab the seed and just throw it indiscriminatorily. And uh, it, today's, they have modern equipment that planted exactly where you need to go. But in that day, the sower just threw it and it fell uh, wherever. But the, and so here is who the sower is. The sower is anyone who is spreading the word of God. So it could be a preacher, it could be a teacher, it could be a Sunday school teacher, it could be a parent, anyone that sows the word of God. But ultimately, and J.R. said this in, the, in his introduction here today, ultimately the sower is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the only one that can really plant the Word of God in our hearts. I know that full well. That's why every day, when I, every Sunday when I get up to preach, I pray, God, Jesus, you come and be the teacher. Because I could have the most interesting, fascinating stories and, and application that I can think of, but unless Jesus does the sowing, it won't last five minutes after this service gets over. Jesus has got to be our teacher, right? He's the one that causes the growth. And so Jesus ultimately is the sower. Now, who's, what's the seed? Well, I've already kind of said, said it, but the seed is the Word of God. The seed in this parable is the Word of God. And God's Word is perfect. And it's got power. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it does all kinds of great things in our lives. Uh, one of my favorite verses, uh, speaking of God's Word, is Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is active, is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It divides the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Any of you ever experienced God's Word in the way that Hebrews 4 is talking about? I have, where it kind of penetrates. It gets in there and, and it hurts a little bit. It, it, it divides soul and spirit. It gets in there and it convicts. God's Word is powerful like that. It shows us our sin. It shows us the areas that we, have to, that we need to get right with God. It, it says it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. But the good news is that when God word, God's Word come in and it convicts us, it weeds those things out. It kind of acts like a hoe to use our farming analogy today. It digs out the, we the weeds so that the fruit can grow. 
The fruit that can grow in our lives from God's Word, the first thing I think of is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God's Word can give birth to those things in our lives. Like when the sin gets rooted out and God's Word gets planted, you will grow to be a more loving person, a more patient person, a more kind and generous, and and all these things, a person with greater self-control. Like that's the beauty of it. That's the harvest that can come out in our lives. So this is where we are at so far. We've got a really good sower who is Jesus himself. We've got a really good seed which is living and active and can uh, have transformative power in our lives. And so now if we're going to get rooted and grounded, what's got to happen? Because the sower is perfect and the seed is perfect. And that, So catch this. This is kind of the heart of the whole grounded and growing series. Ready? Catch this. The success of the seed has nothing to do with the seed. It has everything to do with the soil. The success of the seed has nothing to do with the seed. It has everything to do with the soil. I guarantee you the seed's going to do its work because the seed's perfect. And I guarantee you the sower is going to do its work because the sower is perfect. The landing spot is the variable. What is, how does the Word of God land into our hearts and into our lives? Because the openness of your heart to receive uh, God's Word makes all the difference in the world. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, you know, pastor, the Word of God just isn't working for me. I come and I hear the preaching of God's Word and and uh, I read it on my own during the week, and it's just not working for me. Well, the truth of the parable is the problem does not lie with the Word of God. The problem lies with the person's heart. And so this is where, as I said, it's going to be hard work. We're going to have to dig, get the hoe out and dig a little bit. Because if we are going to be transformed by the Word of God, the only variable in the parable is the landing spot. Are we ready to hear and do the Word of God? You see, the doing of it is key. Jesus uh, closes the parable by saying, Whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's... Uh, Matthew 13, 9. So in other words, you can hear and not hear. Does anybody know about that? Everyone that's married probably knows about that, right? <laughs> Am I right? Uh, uh, you'll be, uh, your wife is talking to you, and she's, and she's uh, saying all kinds of, and, she'll, and you're looking right at her, and she'll ask you the question, are you listening to me? It's possible to hear and not hear. We have family devotions during the week, and uh, and uh, we, very simple, we just read the verse of the day from the Bible app, and we talk about it. And so uh, I'll get done reading the passage, and uh, then I'll ask Kinsey, our six-year-old, uh, Kinsey, what would you like about that verse? Nine times out of ten, she'll say, read it again. She, she heard, but she didn't hear. And that's and, uh, easy to say for a six-year-old, they hear and don't hear, but how about all of us? How many of us hear God's Word, but we don't really hear it? How many of us come every week and we hear God's Word, 
But it doesn't sink into our lives in, in, in a way that it changes the way we live. You see, there's a way of hearing God's Word without really hearing it. And we want to be among those who hear God's Word and really hear it. And the difference will be those that put it into practice and those that let it go in one ear and out the other. See, the key here is the doing of it. Jesus goes on in the parable, uh, after he says the parable, to offer a warning. In verse 12 he says, Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So the warning is, if we hear God's word but we don't really hear it, if we don't actually do anything with it, then what we have will even be taken from us. See, it's a, it's a warning. And Jesus says, if you don't do, if you don't, eventually the love and the peace and the joy that you got from it, if you don't actually do it, even that will be taken from you. But the flip side is, there's a, there's a wildly hopeful flip side, if you hear God's word and you apply it to your life, then you'll have it in abundance. Then you'll have all that stuff that we're talking about in the fruit of the Spirit. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience. The key is, as I said, the key is the doing of it, the application of it. James 1.21 says, and again, it, talking about seed and getting planted, uh, James 1.21 says, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that, so, that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Isn't that great? The word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept it. Get rid of all that other stuff, the moral filth, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And then James goes on to say, next verse, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. That's the hearing without hearing. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You ever uh, wake up in the morning and maybe you stayed up too late the la last night, you Stayed up for the late show, and then you stayed up for the late, late show, and Jimmy Kimmel was funny, but now you regret it. And so you're kind of going through the morning, and uh, you're a little bit groggy. You splash the water on your face trying to wake yourself up. But with your eyes half closed, you comb your hair and maybe you shave. You, you, you know you weren't really working well because you missed a spot right here. And, uh, but you were looking in the mirror, but... You walk away, and you, and you were just kind of going through the motions. Now someone says, just hypothetically, I know this would never happen in real life, but now someone says, you remember what you looked like in the mirror? Draw a self-portrait. You couldn't draw a self-portrait if somebody had a gun to your head. It's in, you, were, you were just going through the motions. And James says that's how we sometimes treat the Word of God. It's like a man that looks in his mirror and after he walks away, he has no idea. Uh, he doesn't remember what he looked like at all. And sometimes we treat God's word that way. We read it and we look at it, but as soon as we walk away, we forget it. This afternoon, the kids and I, I'm sure, will we'll, uh, go swimming.
been gone on vacation, and they say, when we're gone on vacation, you can just come over and use the pool anytime you want. And uh, he said, paying the pool guy, might as well use it. So we take full advantage of that. So we'll go over and we'll get changed into our swimming trunks because today is going to be a hot one. It's going to be a scorcher. And so we'll go over to the swimming pool and um, get all the beach toys and all of that. And what if I get over to the swimming pool and I got my bathing trunks on, and I'm, and, uh, but I look at the water and I'm like, oh man, look at this, look at this water. But uh, it's not helping me out any. I'm not, I'm not getting cool. This swimming stuff is a bunch of garbage. This doesn't cool me off. I've got all dressed up, and now I'm uh, by this pool, and I, I'm not getting cooled at all. And that's uh, the key to getting cool when you go swimming is actually get in the water, right? You got to jump in the pool to get cooled off. And sometimes we get all dressed up to come and hear the Word of God, but we never actually jump in. We never actually get all wet and get cooled off. You see, when we jump into the Word of God, not just hearing it, but doing it, that's when it can begin to cool us off, cool that anger down, cool that uh, unforgiveness down, to wash away the sin. See, this is what the whole Grounded and Growing series is all about, is we want to get cooled off. We want to get, we want to take the Word of God. We want to jump in and get all wet with it. We might as well not hear it. We might as well actually put it into practice and do it and do it. Remember what uh, James 1.25 says? It says, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You want to be blessed? I know you do. We're here this morning because we, we want to receive the blessing of God. I see cars driving down the road and it says blessed on the back of it. You've seen that? People want to be blessed. I'll, at the end of this sermon, I'm going to ask you all to stand up and this will be the most alive that you've been all morning when I'm ready to give the benediction because you want to get the blessing of God. I want to get the blessing of God. You want to get the blessing of God. Where does the blessing of God come from? It comes from not just hearing the word of God, but doing it. That's where the blessing of God comes from. And I hope that excites you in your heart because God's Word has power. If we just jump in, if we put it into practice, try it out, get changed by it, and uh, because God's Word is good seed. Okay, let me uh, prepare to wrap us up here this morning. So I'll start where I ended, or I'll end where I started, I should say. Got to get my farmer's hat on again. Okay, so this is where we are at so far in the parable of the sower. We've got a good Savior, a good sower who is the Savior. We've got a good sower, Jesus Christ. Anyone here uh, thankful for Jesus Christ? Say amen. He's our teacher. We've got good seed. Anyone here thankful for the Word of God? Amen. We've got good seed. We've got a good sower. And now we're going to get down to the hard work of digging up the Word of God. Now, I'll just tell you, as we keep thinking about uh, the Word of God in our hearts, the Word of God is useful for every one of you, no matter where you are at in your life. God's Word has application and meaning and importance 
in your life. Probably the most famous verse in all the Bible uh, on the Word of God is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And so I'll ask that, uh, for all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you catch what it's useful for? It's useful for a lot of different things. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. Some of you come this morning and uh, you just need some encouragement. God's Word is good seed for that. Some of you need some conviction, and you know that. Maybe you, don't, maybe you didn't realize that until right now. You need some conviction. God's Word is good seed for conviction. Some of you need comfort. God's Word is good seed. Some of you uh, need guidance in your life. you got a lot of stuff going on. You need God's guidance. God's Word is good seed for that. Some of, you, uh, some of you need that motivation, that challenge, a kick in the pants. God's Word is a good seed for a kick in the pants. It, uh, it challenges us to live for God. God's Word is good seed. And I just want to encourage us to be prepared to ask ourselves, how is that good seed going to land on our hearts? That's the point of the next several weeks. Are you good soil? And if you don't feel like you're good soil right now, that's okay because we're going to do a lot of hoeing. And we're going to look at our hearts and we're going to keep asking ourselves, God, will the, will the good seed please fall on my heart in such a way that I might receive it and it grow and, it, uh, and I become uh, fruitful for you because that's the hope of the passage that it will bear a harvest a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold in our lives. And I'm hoping that we have a lot of hundredfold in this church, myself included. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus is our teacher. And we pray that the word in our, that has been preached this morning would come forth with power, not because of my abilities, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit. I pray that it would pop. I pray that this word would take root, and as we continue to look at your word, that it, that it would take root and that it would grow in our hearts. So God, help us to cultivate the soil. God, help us to tend to our own hearts in such a way that we might be able to receive what you have for us. Because, we, God, we know that it is not only in the hearing of your word, but in the hearing and the doing of it that we will be blessed. So, God, may we do that. In Jesus' name, amen.